the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> I've had a toothache for two weeks. Thank you. Oh. I, I broke a crown, and I did that like a year ago. The, so it's taken me a while to get myself to the dentist. It's not my favorite place to go. And now I know why it's been reaffirmed. But it's, it, so, so we took the crown off, which wasn't a pleasant activity, put a temporary one. I had that done on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday morning. Uh, I found it in the oatmeal, so it took me a while. On Thursday, I went back to the dentist, got the second temporary, and then I found that Saturday night I was eating steak, but only on the other side. So then I had to wait till the next Thursday to, to get, um, had to have gum surgery. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's not a, a happy thing. But I've been up at night with this tooth. I mean, I had the nerve exposed and all that. I was telling the bishop about it, and his comment was, when you're up at night with a tooth that hurts you, the whole body waits with you. Isn't that the truth? Whenever there's a part of your body in pain, the whole rest of your body is very aware of it. And just as Joni Mitchell said, you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> now they paved paradise and put in a parking lot. You know how that goes, right? So for any of you who have experienced any problems with your body, it upsets everything. I mean, even a paper cut can irritate you so that you can't focus on what you're trying to do. So as we heard in the Corinthian reading, every single part of the body is important. And if something's out of whack, it affects everything. I once hurt my little toe skiing, and I could barely walk. I mean, that's a big part of how we balance ourselves. Who knows? So every part of the body is important. And we've certainly seen that as we've watched these past two weeks, the story evolve in Haiti. How important it is that the entire body gets involved with what has happened in Haiti. I think a week ago, we didn't have any idea. We couldn't get our minds around the extent of the devastation. 2,000 people dead, 250,000 people injured. And it happened in a matter of seconds. And there's been this discourse and on theology of where is God in all of this? And for some of you who heard Pat Robinson, Robertson's comment that God is punishing the Haitian people. A horrifying theology. But it is something that we grapple with, is that how can God allow all those people to die and let all those people be injured? And, it, and the good and almighty, powerful God, where is God in all of that? And so the theologians, we wrestle with those kinds of questions, and I was wrestling with it because I had to preach on Wednesday at Diocesan House, and I found this passage in Luke, Luke chapter 13, where a tower fell on 18 people and killed them, and it's talked about in the Gospel. And Jesus' reaction to the tower falling and killing these 18 innocent people wasn't to explain to the people around them why that had happened or where God was and all of that. But his message to them was, we all need to turn toward God. That that's what we do in the face of devastating destruction is we turn toward God. 
And we can lament to God, we can be angry at God, but we turn back toward God. And that is what the Haitian people have done. All you hear about Haiti, it's, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Every commentator starts out their discourse with, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But what we don't hear about these island people is that they were the first people who were enslaved to win their freedom. That they have an incredible culture on that island. That their music is, is just enlightening. That their artwork is inspiring. That they are a people of incredible spirit. That they were the first people to win their freedom. And in the face of the devastation, as the stories come out of Haiti, what we see is people who've been in the rubble for eight days coming out thanking God. Not asking, why me, or where were you, but giving thanks to God after being buried for eight days. There was a scene of women in the street, and they were having a liturgy impromptu, and they were praising God, and they were singing. And the translator said what they were saying was, thank God the earth shook because it's an opportunity for us to start over and to build up this country the way it should be. That is grace coming out of the midst of devastation. That's really being true to Jesus who says to us that we need to turn back to God when things like this occur. So the body of Christ in Haiti, they are used to working together. They have to work together. They've had trouble surviving. So it's taken the entire community to keep everybody going. That they, with their own bare hands, dig through the rubble. Everybody participates. And as these inspiring stories come from this island, we begin to see the world look up and take notice. I could have told you five weeks ago or a year ago that Haiti was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But that didn't cause any action in me. But Friday night, I turned on the television and there was this fundraiser for Haiti. So I flipped through the networks. It was on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. And all of these entertainers had gotten together and they had created this incredible show around music, lament kind of music, stories from Haiti. Anderson Cooper was there giving live reports. And this fundraiser took place in LA, New York, and London simultaneously because of the technology that we have today. And they had people on the phones taking donations and famous people. They had Julia Roberts, I saw a conversation with her, Steven Spielberg, um, oh now I'm blanking out, uh, Stevie Wonder. And I think it was the conversation with Stevie Wonder that really touched me. Because in moments like this, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to, to even get our minds around what it's like down there. And then we sit here and we think, well, what can we do? And this church last Sunday raised $600 for Haiti. What a wonderful gift. But this conversation this woman had with Stevie Wonder was like, well, I can't give very much. I could only give $5 because I'm really having a tough time. And, and he, he said to her, it doesn't have to be much. If everybody gives just a little, it can make a difference.
I overheard two, two young teenage boys in Wegmans as they were uh, walking down the soda aisle buying chips and soda, saying that they had texted $5 to Haiti. So you text Haiti to a number and it gets put on your phone bill. I'm thinking, I hope it's not their parents paying the phone bill. <laughs> but they had, they had done that, which I think is a good start at least. But what Stevie Wonder said, if everybody gave $5, it, it, would, it would be enough. That every part of the body needs to participate. Because when one part of the body isn't participating or isn't involved, then we're out of balance. It can't work. We cannot make a difference. But that it's not a lot. Over Christmas, one of my son's friends gave me, brought in this book for me. He was all excited. He goes, Julie, I found this book. I couldn't believe it. I had to give it to you. And he hands me the book, and I look down, and it says, Jesus was an Episcopalian. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> he was all excited. He said, I didn't know Jesus was an Episcopalian. I know you're Episcopal. I thought this was really cool. <laughs> took the rest of the evening to help him understand that Jesus was Jewish, and he, I don't think he'll ever be the same. But the book is an attempt at an author's attempt to get people looking at the Episcopal Church and understanding what the Episcopal Church is about. And in the book, he talks about world hunger and poverty as part of our Millennium Development Goals. And he says in the book that it would take $13 billion a year to feed the hungry in the world, which sounds like a lot of money until you understand that we spend $13 billion annually on ice cream in this country. Now, I didn't believe that. So I looked it up and found that, yes, in fact, we do. I mean, that's really an amazing comparison. Now, I'm not telling you to give up Abbott's burgers, or not burgers, help me out. Brewsters. Abbott's Brewsters, or What's the one down the street that I love? Reeds. Yes, good. It's participatory. Good, good. Reeds. Don't give up on Reeds. I mean, you know, they're local business. We've got to keep them going, especially since Brewster's is across the street. Not that I don't like them, too. But, you know, I'm not saying don't give up ice cream, but I'm just pointing out that it's not a lot when the whole body participates. We need the whole body participating at St. Peter's as well. I was thinking about how best to explain this when I was sitting inside my house and I heard the noise that we all hear this time of year, the that someone's tire is, you know, going, you can tell they're stuck, and it gets louder and louder, and you see the snow getting pushed out, and then you see kind of green grass, and it's followed by dirt, you know? So I put on my coat and hat and mittens and grab the shovel that's inside the house. When you grow up in New England, you keep the shovel inside the house, and go out, and you know, I can see neighbors coming out of their houses with the shovel, and there's this other guy with the salt. You know, we're all heading toward this car that's getting deeper and deeper in the mud, you know, because they, they're convinced if they just push on that accelerator a little more, they're going to go. You know, so it's like, oh, I'm glad it wasn't my yard she was stuck in, but she was this close to a mailbox. And then out comes the 80 year old woman who's lived on the street forever and ever, and seen this happen, I don't know, millions of times. And so all the neighbors, some, some people start digging near the tires, and she's giving instructions, 
put the salt right there, we live on a hill, put the salt over there, dig here, you know, come over here, and she's arranging people, and you know, we all listen, we're all doing what she says, because we know she knows, and, and we start pushing the car. You know how that goes, right? So you push the car, and then it rolls back. And you push the car, and then it rolls back. And the person in the car never presses on the accelerator at the right time when it's out of the hole. It's always when it's back in the hole. So, you know, you're pushing, and you're going back and pushing, and, you know, pretty soon you're starting to get tired. Of course, my tooth hurts, you know, so. Um, eventually, we see a new neighbor. Now, this guy has moved in, and he doesn't know when you hear the noise enough to come out of his house, but it's been going on so long, he's come out because he doesn't know what's going on. He's a big guy. Oh, good. Here comes the new guy. He's huge. So, you know, the old lady puts him behind the car, and, you know, one push, boom! Car is out, and it's up the hill, and we're high-fiving, and it's like, oh, yeah, great. You know, this is, we, we did it. Well, the reason we did it was because everybody participated, including the new guy. The church gets stuck sometimes. We get stuck, and we do the same thing. We keep pressing on the accelerator, and we don't go anywhere. We dig ourselves a hole. In this case, it's a deficit, but it's not on, on, we can get out. But we need everybody. We need everybody like Haiti needs everybody. We need everybody here, because what this church is doing is incredibly valuable. I mean, in February 1st, we're starting that structured day program for Prelude. There will be people here who are recovering from traumatic brain injuries that are coming here for rehabilitation, which is a long road, and we're providing the space for them. And they're paying us for that, $1,000 a month. We have a ministry. I was here Thursday night, and the Girl Scouts were coming in, very diverse group of women and girls, thanking me for this space at St. Peter's. In order to continue the work of the church, we need every piece of the body. Every piece. Because every piece serves a different purpose, has a different function. And that every piece, in a small way, can make a big difference. Just like $5 makes a difference to Haiti. We can be unstuck and then proclaim the gospel, as we heard today in Luke, to the poor, the needy, the brain injured, the young, those with addictions, 